Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 and Acts chapter 2 verse 37. While you're turning, let me make mention of just a couple of things. If you have not already done so, please notify Sister Kim. We have ordered extra, but if you have guests coming to our banquet next week, we're going to have a great time. We're planning on around 200, maybe just a little bit more, uh, but please if you have guests that want to come, we want them to come. I will give up my meal if I have to for a guest, okay? And I know you'll do the same. We want as many people as we can to be with us next Wednesday night. We're going to have a great, great time. Uh, we got with Nate Lawrence coming from College Station, Texas. He does comedy. He does. Uh, he's an incredible, incredible saxophonist, as I've told you probably already. He's the only person I've ever seen that holds two saxophones in his mouth at the same time and plays them, and he's incredible. And Hopefully he'll do that next week. I'll see if I can get a special request. But I know you'll, you'll just have a great time. We're going to fellowship. And so please, please, please invite somebody if they want to come. Also, let me make mention of this. I meant to do this earlier. Our church offers many different outlets uh, or modes whereby you can uh, listen and be a part of our service if you're not uh, present. We offer a podcast through the Anchor app. Uh, we also offer Facebook Live where they live stream our services. And we also offer uh, CDs. Now here's one little change that we as leadership talked about and I think this would be great for our church. Uh, podcasts are free. Facebook Live is free. But there's some people that may not know how to operate a podcast or may have no clue what I'm saying when I say podcast. And they may not know how to do Facebook Live. And I just don't feel like we ought to charge them for them not knowing how to do that. So we're going to make our CDs free as well uh, to all those who want to get a CD. Now, please know that... Um, we are in the process of, of acquiring um, methods whereby we can make larger quantities of, of CDs and stuff like that. Sister Amanda is over our uh, CD and audio department uh, in making those. So um, we do want you to limit uh, to five CDs. You may want to give some out, and that's fine. We want you to give those out. But we won't, what we don't want is you taking 100 and them just piling up in your house and not being effective for the kingdom of God. So we'll limit that to five. Um, they're not going to be available right now as soon as service is over. We have not got the technology in place to do that. But if you'll get with Sister Amanda, she will get them to you in a timely manner, and we want to make that available for uh, everybody in the church. Is that good? All right. Amen. Amen. All right, let's go to the word of the Lord, beginning with Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse number 37. Now when they had heard this, 
They were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. I want to preach tonight by the help of the Holy Ghost on this subject, what the crowd can't do. What the crowd can't do. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord tonight. I thank you for every soul that made the trip to the house of God. I believe with all of my heart, Lord, that you have ordained their steps and that they're here under the divine hand of God. I pray, oh Lord, that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say unto the church tonight and give us hearts ready to obey. We thank you for what you're going to do. Can we clap our hands unto the Lord as we take a moment and give God praise? Amen, amen. Lord bless you as you're being seated. Before I begin, let me say, I knew I should have wrote it down tonight, but I do want to mention this. Um, I have felt, and I have announced this to our leadership, and I'll announce this to our church, but I felt like this would be a great fit, and in prayer, felt a confirmation of the Spirit. Um, we, have, we have appointed Brother Brandon and Sister Jenny as our missions directors for the church, and I think that they will do a phenomenal job leading this church in a global missions and North American missions vision. Amen. So we're going to work around Brother Brandon's schedule, but you'll be hearing from him in the days to come regarding different things uh, that we're going to be a part of. This is a global missions-minded church. Amen. Amen. The life of Jesus is an amazing and an astounding study that one, though you could study all of your life, you'll never be able to exhaust the life of Jesus Christ. Human minds cannot comprehend the totality of who he was and what he accomplished on this earth. Blinded eyes were opened, deaf ears were unstopped, lame men were leaping, dead were raised, 5,000 plus were fed. This being simply a small glimpse or a window into the life of the Lord. In fact, John records in chapter 21, verse 25, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. We must understand that we're, we're, when we read the Gospels, we're just reading a highlight of Jesus' life. This, this what we read is not all he did. There's no way the world could contain. If everything Jesus did were written down, the world could not contain it. But suffice it to say that he changed lives. He altered destinies and he gave hope. But because of his willingness to display his power, crowds began to form. In fact, when you read the word of the Lord, a lot of times you'll read the word multitudes or the word press. What they're saying is 
It was a crowd. But Jesus was not interested in the crowd because he knew that the very crowd that was flocking to him that day would be the same crowd that would turn their back on him and send him to Calvary. He didn't come to gain popularity. He didn't come to sermonize nor to cater to the hypocritical Pharisees of that day. But 1 John 3 and 8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. He came that you could have redemption. He came that you could have freedom. He came that you could have liberty. And this would lead to the establishment of what we know as the church. Understand with me tonight that the church is not a crowd. Rather, it's a collection of individuals who have one thing in common. I was lost, but God found me. I was broke, but God fixed me. I was blind, but God gave me sight. That's why Paul said, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Is there anybody here thankful today for the time when man gave up on you, but God never gave up on you? When man didn't want anything to do with you, but God said there's something inside of them that I can do something with. Jesus didn't come to draw a crowd. He came to restore personal relationship with humanity. He came to restore what was broken. John 10 and 10 said, The thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to steal your hope, kill your dreams, and destroy your future. But Jesus said, I am come that they may have life and that, that might, they might have it more abundantly. Life, personal, purpose, a meaning to life when you wake up, a reason to keep going every single day to further emphasize how personal Jesus was. One need only look at his disciples. Jesus did not make a mass appeal but rather he went directly to them and said, follow me. It was personal. He didn't just throw it out there. There's something powerful about a personal relationship, and you'll hear me say it time and time again. God's not interested in your religion. He's interested in your relationship. God can care less about what the name on the church sign is. What he wants to know is do you have a relationship with him? That's what he's interested in. Perhaps none was more appreciative of that relationship than Peter was. Peter knew the heights of victory, but also he knew the seemingly lows of defeat. Yet Peter experienced the promise when it came to Pentecost and people everywhere, everywhere were, conf were confused when he was preaching. And they finally asked themselves, what meaneth this? This is the promise. This is what was spoken by the prophet. This is what God said would happen. He said, I'll pour out of my spirit. 
And when, when we're feeling, when, when these people are talking in tongues, what they're actually experiencing is the power of God, the promise of God. Hear me. You may be able to change your behavior, but you cannot change your heart. You can, you can make up your mind. You know what? I'm not going to do that no more. I'm not going to eat green beans no more. I'm not going to do this no more. You can make up your mind and you can stop doing something. But what you cannot do is you cannot change your heart. You cannot change what you cannot see. And when we speak of heart, we're not talking about the, the pumping, the organ that's pumping blood. We're talking about the spiritual condition of your heart, of man. And so Peter told him this is the promise. And when he was done preaching, he said, what shall we do? It was the question they were asking. And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. But verse number 40 is what I want to focus on tonight. And with many other words that he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Peter, there were plenty of people. Why didn't you make a mass appeal? Why didn't you make it a, a, a something that everybody does? But Peter understood salvation is not a corporate thing. It's a personal thing. And there's some things that a crowd can't do. Tell you the first thing the crowd can't do. The crowd can't lead you in the right direction. There's an old Latin proverb that says, Vox populi, vox dii, which means the voice of the people is the voice of God. And while it may sound pretty, it's a lie from the pits of hell because the voice of the people will never lead you to God. The voice of the people are not the voice of God. If you're going to live for God, it's going to be because you made up your mind. I'm not following the way of the crowd. I'm not going with the way of the world. But I'm going to go towards Jesus Christ. You can't follow people. People won't lead you in the right direction. People of the world. It's like, like they say, trout always swim upstream. If you're going to live for God, you're going to go against the norm. You're going to go against the current. You're not going to do what everybody else does. And I have literally sat in services and I've preached my guts out and I've watched people knowing that God was preaching to them and they're looking at other people. They're wanting to see what other people are going to do. My friend, you can't let people dictate your response to God. If you're going to make it to heaven, it's going to be because your eyes are on him. That's why he told Moses, Whenever Moses is bringing them out of Egypt and he's bringing them to a place called the promised land, he said, Moses, Moses, here's what you got to tell them. Follow the cloud, not the crowd. See, we think, we, we, we think this, this exodus out of Egypt, we kind of equate this as playing follow the leader. And you got Moses and they're just trotting on through and they're just single file line. But you're talking about millions of people. Most of which 
never laid eyes on Moses. I mean, you think about 2,000 people. Let's just think about 2,000 or 10,000. They're not all going to be right there behind the leader. Let's talk about 100,000. I don't know how many people's in Catahoula Parish. Is there 100,000 in Catahoula Parish? I overshot it? Okay. I missed it by a little bit, brother. But we're talking millions of people. And when you, there's one thing that I know about people is negative spreads a whole lot faster than positive. And you get a bunch of people going somewhere they've never been, all of them think they have the right opinion. And Moses, God told Moses, Moses, the only way that they're going to make it where I'm trying to bring them is they're going to keep their eyes on the cloud. And they're not going to listen to the crowd. And if you're going to make it where God's trying to bring you, you got to keep your eyes on him. You can't look at what people are doing. You can't listen to what people are saying. You got to follow the Holy Ghost. Follow the fire, not the liar. I've seen people get mixed up in their walk with God. And you're looking at them and you're going, why in the world are you doing like that? What are you doing? You know what you should be doing. You know what happened? They started following the crowd. They started letting people dictate. Let me just let me put it to you like this. Somebody may influence you and you may walk away from God and they may walk away from God. But there's no guarantee that you're going to make it back. They may make it back, but there's no guarantee you're going to make it back. The only way you're going to make it where God wants you to be is you're going to keep your eyes on the cloud. You're going to let, you're going to let God lead you in the right direction. You see, we are easily influenced people. The world has a way of marketing. In fact, I heard a thing one time, and I've started listening to it and watching. If you're in a restaurant and business is slow, if they play music, a lot of times they'll put on slow music. Maybe get you relaxed. Maybe you get order some dessert and you'll stay there and spend a little more money. But they get real busy. They're going to pick up the tempo and they're going to turn the volume up. You're trying to shovel that stuff in as fast as you can to get out of there. And they're going to open up that table and get somebody else at that table. It's all about, they know how to do that. They study that. And we're influenced by things and we don't even know. If I, if I took, if I took a, a, a McDonald's cheeseburger wrapper and I wrapped it I put a bologna sandwich and I cut it in the sake of a circle and I put it right there folded it up and put it on that table and then I put over here and I put uh, in a plain wrapper and I put that McDonald's cheeseburger in just a plain white wrapper and put it right there if I was a betting man which I'm not most people are going to grab the McDonald's cheeseburger wrapper because that's what you, your brain has been conditioned to think you're influenced You'll be sorely disappointed with that Bologna sandwich up in there. In fact, I read a study one time. It's in a book called The Mind Bender. And they tested so many different people. Here's what they did. They took nine people and they told them this is what we're going to do. We're going to bring it in to one person, one person at a time. So there'll be ten people. And we're going to show you four pieces of rope, two of which are the same length and two that are different lengths. 
And we're going to want you, we're going to ask you to pick the two pieces of rope that are exactly the same length. But we want you to pick the wrong pieces. And they were trying to see if the person that knew what to do would be swayed by people who were doing it wrong. And the, the statistics were astounding. Over 30 to 40 percent chose the wrong pieces of rope. Even though they knew what was right, they chose the wrong pieces because they, did, they wanted to follow what the other people said. And there's a lot of people that know what's right. They know what to do. They know how to respond to the Spirit. But they're influenced by other people around them. But what if I read this Bible correctly right here? I'm not going to get to stand before God with all the people that influence me. I'm going to get to stand before God by myself. So if I'm going to stand before God by myself, that means I can't listen to what other people say around me, but i got to follow the leading of the Spirit. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be, that sounds like a crowd to me, many there be that go thereout. You see, the crowd is going the broad way. The crowd is going from God. The crowd's not leading you to God. The crowd will never lead you in the right direction. Secondly, the crowd can't stop Jesus from knowing right where you're at. A lot of times we think, there's no way God knows what I'm going through. Look at all these people. I'm, I'm surrounded by 200 people. I'm surrounded by 500 people. I'm surrounded by 1,000 people. God knows right where you're at. Even when you think there's no way that he can know. When you're driving down the road in a moving vehicle, you're never in one spot, but you're constantly moving. God's eyes are right there where you're at. God is as close as the mention of his name. And we, we equate the knowledge of God with the knowledge of man. And we think just because our knowledge is limited that God's knowledge is limited. But God knew your end before you knew your beginning. God knew, knows what's going to happen next week, next year, and if he tarries 10 years from now. And God has everything right in place. In fact, when... When Moses led Israel, they came to a place called Merah, which means bitter, because the waters were bitter. But you know what the Lord said? Moses, take that tree right there and throw it in the water, and it's going to make the water drinkable. Now, I don't know about you, but the last time I checked, Trees don't grow in 30 seconds. Which tells me, Moses, before you ever got to your problem, God had already planted that provision a long time ago, and it was just waiting for you to get in line with it. My friend, you may be in the middle of your problem, but God put the provision in place a long time ago, and all he's waiting on is for you to get right in line with that miracle, and then you're going to see the hand of God. God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. God has...
has a way of reminding you that when you think you're invisible, God has you right on his radar. God knows where you're at. Hey, the Bible says that all Zacchaeus wanted to do was see Jesus. But there were so many people in the way. There was so, there was a crowd. So what did Zacchaeus do? Zacchaeus climbed up the sycamore tree. You know the story. He climbed up the sycamore tree. And all he wanted to do was get one little look at Jesus. And all of the people around, Jesus stopped. And he looked at him. He knew right where he was at. In the middle of everything, he knew right where he was at. And this is what he did. He said, Zacchaeus. He called him by his name. You know what? His name was intertwined with his reputation. And he didn't have a good reputation. Nobody liked him. He was a tax collector. We still don't like tax collectors. They don't have a good reputation. Nobody in that crowd liked Zacchaeus. But his reputation didn't stop Jesus from calling his name. And there's people in this building tonight that you can look at your own life and you don't like your name. You don't like your reputation. Maybe you've done things that you don't like. Maybe you're living with regret and and you're living with shame and you're living with all kind of baggage. But my friend, God will still look at you in spite of everything and he'll still call your name because he loves you. He knows right where you're at. Oh, I'm thankful that Jesus called my name one day. I'm thankful Jesus knew right where I was at. So here's what Jesus said. Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. What do you do when Jesus calls your name in a service? You do exactly what he told Zacchaeus to do. You make haste. And you come down. You're not guaranteed another service. You're not guaranteed a tomorrow or a next year. But when God calls your name, you better make a best of that opportunity. And you, I, I'll never forget. I'll never forget when I was 16 years old. We were having a youth rally at our church. And I was working with a buddy of mine. We were leaving to Quincy, Louisiana, and it was raining. And we were heading east on Highway 12 going towards Ragley, Louisiana. And as we're coming out, as we're coming out of, of, of the Quincy, it's raining. And I look on the side of the road, two-lane road, and I look. And there was a vehicle, a truck, in the, in the gully, the canal, smashed, coming this way against the concrete. The front end was crushed. Smoke billowing out of the front of that thing. And I, nobody was around it. And I told my, my friend that was driving, I said, man, I said, I think that just happened. I said, we need to turn around. I need to go figure out what's going on with that. So, man, he hurried up. He turned around. He drove back and, and pulled over on the other side of the road. And at the same time we pulled over, somebody else saw it, and they pulled up. He don't do good with any type of gruesome injury. So he said, I'm going to stay on this side of the road and I'm going to call 911. I said, well, I'm going to run down there. So I'm running across the road in the rain and this gully is full of water. 
And that guy that comes, we meet at the same time going down that embankment. And we're running and we're we're wading out in this in this water. And when I when I get to the water, I see nothing but red. And I see an arm floating in the water. And I said, Lord, in my mind, I don't do good either. I'm not a paramedic, okay? But I said, Lord, I really, really hope right now that this arm is attached to something. And I got in that water, and I just reached, and I pulled up a 16-year-old boy. It was the closest thing that I could equate to a death scream. When When I pulled him up, his face was nearly mutilated, and he was screaming at the top of his lungs. What happened was this boy fell asleep, and you could see where he came, and he overcorrected, and he hit trees, and he smashed. And he tried to pull out, but his legs were caught. And when he couldn't get out, he fell over into the water and was about to drown when I pulled him up out of that water. He had thrown his wallet in the back of his truck so people could identify who he was. And I thought while I'm holding this boy in this water and he's mutilated and he's literally dying in my arms, all I could think was God, did he ever have an opportunity to go to an altar? Did he ever have an opportunity to make things right with God? And I found out four days later he died on a Tuesday in a hospital when the swelling set it in his brain. You see, that boy never thought that this would be the last day that I'm on earth. And there's never a guarantee that you have another opportunity when you walk out of those doors. But my friend, the good news is a crowd can't stop you from getting to Jesus. It doesn't matter how many people are in a building. It doesn't matter if you make it to an altar or you do it in the pew. God is able to wash your sins away. God is able to fill you with the Holy Ghost. God is able to give you a brand new start. Stand with me all over the building right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. It doesn't matter if there's a thousand people in this building tonight. God can touch every single person that wants his touch. It doesn't matter if you're sick in your body. God can heal you. It doesn't matter if you need the Holy Ghost. God can give you the Holy Ghost. You say, preacher, you don't know what I'm going through right now. I may not know what you're going through, but God knows every detail about your life. God knows everything. There was a man that was sick of the palsy and they couldn't get to Jesus because there were so many people. But as somebody who's really hungry for God, a crowd won't stop you from getting to Jesus. You know why God can go overseas and they have these hundreds of thousands of people at crusades and 50,000 people get the Holy Ghost and they're packed in as far as the eye can see? Because it doesn't matter how many people are there. God can get to every single person. God's spirit can touch every single person. It's not about, will God get to you? The question is, will you get to God? There's never been a problem with God getting to a single person. They say, well, what about the people in the darkest jungles of the Amazon? Bible says when we stand before God, We will be without excuse. Which means God will give every person 
an opportunity to know Him if they're truly hungry to know Him. God can speak. I'm reminded right now. You ever seen the wheels, the one oneness of God? They're in a wheel, the pamphlets, and they all point to different aspects of God. I'll have to get them ordered. But at the bottom of it, it says compiled by C.P. Kilgore. C.P. Kilgore was the father of James Kilgore who pastored Life Tabernacle in Houston, Texas. And years ago, he was, he was so hungry to know the oneness of God. He wanted to know it. And one night, the Lord woke him up. And on the wall of his bedroom, the Lord put that wheel with all the scriptures. And he took a piece of paper and he copied it word for word and he drew it out just like that. That's why it says compiled by C.P. Kilgore, not written by C.P. Kilgore because he didn't write it. But God revealed it to him one night in the middle of the night. God put it on his wall and he wrote it down word for word. Just like, See, there. if you're hungry to know God, God will reveal himself to you. If you're hungry to get closer to God, you could get closer to God. If you're here tonight and you say, Preacher, I've never had the Holy Ghost. I've never spoken another language like the book of Acts says. You could have it tonight. All you got to do is begin to say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And after a while, you're going to feel it's going to get hard to speak English because God has given you the ability to speak a language that you didn't ask for. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. And you can have it tonight. If you're here and you need a healing in your body, you know what? You can lift your hands and begin to say, Thank you, Lord, for healing my body. Thank you, Lord, for meeting me at the point of my need. Maybe you need a financial miracle. You can begin to say, Lord, thank you for that. And God will get to you. Lift your hands all over the building. Close your eyes. I just want you to get your, your mind focused on the Lord right now. God is here. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is in this place. There's miracles here. There's salvation here. There's power and forgiveness in this place tonight. Whatever you need. Prayer warriors, I just need you to begin to pray right now. I just need somebody to begin to tap in the Holy Ghost with me. Come on, elders, you may not be able to move much right now, but I know beyond a shadow of a doubt you can pray right now. I want you to do some binding and loosening in the Holy Ghost right now. I want you to begin to bind the spirit of fear. I bind it, Lord. I take dominion over fear in this place. I take dominion over fear. We're not worried what people think about us tonight, Lord. We're worried about getting in touch with you. We're worried about getting close to you, Lord. There's people here that need the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, you need the Holy Ghost and God wants to feed you with the Holy Ghost. Maybe you're here and you need a breakthrough. You need a renewing of the Holy Ghost. God wants to do it tonight. Now we've talked about it. We're not going to let the crowd stop us. Now I'm going to give you opportunity. Why don't you step out of your pew right now and make your way to it. Don't look at what anybody else does. But this is between you and God, young person. You may need a renewing of the Holy Ghost. I want you to come on right now.